This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Go to GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. U.S. fuel economy rules are getting tougher as the Biden administration nudges the industry toward EVs. But first, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. January auto sales are starting to come in. First to report, Hyundai. Off to a good start, the brand's U.S. sales jumped 10% in January to a record high. Give credit to the Tucson crossover, its sales jumped 63%. Hyundai's luxury brand Genesis also posted a record. It's still a young brand. Sales there surging 29%. Meantime, over at affiliate Kia, U.S. deliveries slid 5.5%. It was the sixth straight monthly decline for the brand. With supply still super tight, Light vehicle sales overall are projected to fall 9 to 16%. That's based on forecasts from J.D. Power, LMC Automotive, Cox Automotive, and TrueCar. Toyota, Honda, Subaru, and Mazda are all still expected to release January results today. Ford reports tomorrow. The rest of the industry reports U.S. sales only quarterly. On the global sales scoreboard, Lexus worldwide sales climbed 6% in 2021. Deliveries fell just shy of an all-time high, despite the global semiconductor shortage, which crimped production. Toyota's luxury brand said overall volume increased to 760,000 vehicles last year. North America topped the regional charts. Sales were up 12%. China was the brand's second biggest market. To product, Toyota estimates the hybrid version of its redesigned 2022 full-size Tundra pickup will see a 1 to 2 mile per gallon improvement over its non-hybrid counterpart. The two-wheel drive iForce Max's mileage is rated 20 in the city, 24 on the highway, and 22 combined. The automaker expects the hybrid variant to account for about a quarter of Tundra sales. It starts at almost $54,000, including shipping and is expected to begin arriving in dealerships in the spring. So you're familiar with rolling stops when a driver doesn't quite come to a complete stop. It's not really legal. Sometimes people do it. Apparently computers do too, or at least some in Tesla vehicles. Tesla saying it will recall about 54,000 vehicles in the U.S. and over-the-air software update will disable the rolling stop function. The recall affects all four current models in recent years, those that offer the driver assist package with the misleading name. Later today, GM will report fourth quarter and full year earnings after the markets close in the U.S. Could be some big numbers. Better keep an eye on autonews.com. And that's the news you need to know. The EPA is closing some fuel economy loopholes. Automotive news reporter Audrey LaForest takes us inside the numbers after this. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane 
were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk and the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. It's probably no surprise that the Biden administration would implement tougher fuel economy rules than the Trump administration did. It might be a surprise that EPA Administrator Michael Regan signed in December stricter rules than were proposed in August. Here to explain is automotive news reporter Audrey LaForest from Washington, D.C. Audrey LaForest, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks so much for having me. You have a front page story in this week's paper. The U.S. EPA has finalized rules for fuel economy for model year 23 through 26. It's a very different approach than that of the previous administration, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So under the final rule from the Biden administration, it's it's more stringent than what the agency proposed in August, as well as the Obama era requirements. In this rule, they're seeking emission standards to increase between about five and ten percent each model year. And you know, from the people that I spoke with, they consider the rule largely as a catching up rule to what Obama had introduced and also in terms of the automaker's trajectory towards electric vehicles. So this, the standards in the Biden administration rule mandate an industry-wide target of 161 grams of carbon dioxide per mile, and that translates for consumers to about 40 miles per gallon, the number that they would see on window stickers by the 2026 model year. And yeah, you know, as you mentioned, comparing with the, the Trump administration, which had loosened some of those standards for his rule in 2026, the target uh, or the 2026 model year target under the Trump rules was 32 miles per gallon. So, yeah, I'll, you know, from the people that I spoke with, they see this rule as aggressive and ambitious, but also doable and achievable for the auto industry. It's just, it's interesting because the Obama standard was for 55 miles per gallon, at least in theory, uh, by 2025. And uh, Biden is pushing for that by 2026. But in a, the real world fuel economy, the Biden standard is, is tougher. And I think that's because uh, what you wrote about is the uh, the closing of loopholes and some flexibilities that the previous uh, system had allowed for automakers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things, too, that is factored in is, is perhaps a different vehicle mix of cars and trucks. Obviously, U.S. consumers are 
purchasing more SUVs and pickup trucks and whatnot. And I think this administration's EPA is just seeing a faster acceleration with electric vehicles. And, you know, that could include plug-in hybrid fuel cell. Um, So I think that's also at play here. And if you compare the rules, but in this In this rule from the Biden administration, the EPA did adopt a narrower set of temporary compliance flexibilities, and a lot of those flexibilities are limited to the 2023 model year and 2024 model year, and that's done as a way to help transition the automakers to the more stringent standards in the later years so they can take advantage of some of the compliance flexibilities, whether that's for instance, credit carry forward, which allows them to use some of the credits from that they generated for, with overcompliance from the 2017 and 2018 model year to then the 2023 and 2024 model year, if that makes sense. And another one of the interesting flexibilities as well is the advanced technology multiplier incentive. So that's like the EV multiplier where a battery electric, plug-in hybrid, or fuel cell vehicle can count as more than one vehicle in the automaker's compliance calculation. So that definitely helps with, you know, the the agency's projection that more, we will see more EVs, plug-in hybrids included in the U.S. market going forward. And that flexibility kind of acts as an incentive for the automakers to, you know, maybe pursue that pathway. Yeah, and then the, we also the dreaded have, multipliers that uh, <laughs> that skew the math. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we also see a full size pickup incentive, which you know is crucial for the the U.S. market, as I mentioned, with consumers, you know, opting for the larger vehicles, including pickup trucks. So that incentivizes full size pickups that use what they consider strong hybridization or technologies that provide similar emissions reductions for the 2023 and 2024 model years only. So it it essentially most of those compliance flexibilities or temporary ones are limited to the first two years of the rule as a way for the industry to use those flexibilities and then reach those those tougher standards in the in the later model years. And I think it's it's also EPA's understanding that there would also be a larger uh, EV market or more EVs that they would be putting putting out into the market for consumers. Yeah, you raise an interesting point about the, the fleet mix. Uh, it's certainly uh, so much more of a truck-heavy, crossover, SUV-heavy market than it was 10 years ago. So that that makes a, a profound difference, or even five years ago. But I want it, but what's interesting, you you talked about the increased adoption of EVs. We know that automakers are announcing a lot of ambitious plans. The rules are getting tougher, but there's still no federal mandate for zero emission vehicles or EVs in any direct sort of way, is there? No, no, there's not. And Biden has been pretty pretty clear over the past year that he doesn't necessarily want to set a, a national mandate. I think we've seen his answer to that in the in his goal, the target of that uh, half of new vehicle sales being zero emission by 2030, that goal, I think that might be, in addition to this rule from the EPA, maybe, you know, the most that we see out of that. But 
also too, you know, one of the people that I spoke with reminded me that, you know, yes, you know, automakers have to meet this regulation here in the US, but they're also looking at electrification at a global scale. So they do have other regulations to meet and other requirements in terms of that. So that will also influence their strategies here in terms of electrification going forward. Yeah, for automakers that are also trying to do business in uh, China and Europe, they certainly need to invest in that technology. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. When you need the most comprehensive news on the auto industry at any time of day, go to autonews.com. Thanks to Jack Hallauer for his editing and production. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening. Now, let's get back to work.